Listen, listen to me now. Because of the immensity of the message uh, and the brevity of time, uh, let's look at the assigned uh, text and topic uh, that has been assigned me. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 14. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. And I'm going to need a piece of a verse over at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 32 for some historical context. Uh, Dr. Burt has uh, well talked about my emphasis upon context. Um, let me respectfully say that whenever you take a text out of his context, you become a con. And convicts ought to be incarcerated. So let's, let's just read the text, first of all, in context. And then let's read the text in its historical context. Uh, Y'all got time to hear this? Hebrews 4, verse 14. Starts with the prepositional, therefore. Whenever you're reading the Bible and you see a therefore, you ought to know what the therefore is there for. It's a connective where he connects what he has said with what he is about to say. Time just won't let me deal with all of that. But watch what he does say. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, look what he has done. He has passed through the heavens. Now, of course, the background for that is what happens on the Day of Atonement when the high priest passes by uh, the veil and he leaves the holy place and he goes into the most holy place. But we don't have time to do that. Uh, but look what he does say. We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Here's the preaching point. Let us hold fast our confession. I surely thought y'all would be shouting right along there. But I understand right now, you, you don't have enough information to shout. But I want you to watch this. He says, let us hold fast our confession. Hold it. Just, just hold it. Hold it. Now, let me give you some historical context for that text. Hebrews 10 verse 32. Dr. Burt has already referenced it. But remember the former days when after being enlightened you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made, watch this, a public spectacle. 
Y'all don't know when to shout. He said, in the former days, after you had been enlightened, sounds like Hebrews 6, doesn't it? You endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. Skip down now to verse 38 when he says, but we are not of those who shrink back unto perdition. My soul has no pleasure in those who, watch the metaphor, draw back. But of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Y'all need to hear me now. I want you to watch this. Uh, the gospel demands a response to the goodness of his news. The gospel demands a response to the goodness of his news. The gospel demands a response to the goodness of his news. Okay, let me help somebody. Uh, gospel is not just good news. The word euangelion means news that's so good it's too good to be true. Let, let, let me give you some background. Uh, it wasn't even a religious word. It was a word used in extra biblical literature to talk about politics and it talked about what kings did. It talked about the fact that a king of his own initiative decided one day to go and visit subjects in a remote part of his kingdom. But at this juncture in human history, when he decided to go there and just visit his subjects, they didn't have satellites. They didn't have internet. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have cell phones. Didn't have uh, iPads. So he had to send what was called a herald. The herald, a forerunner, would run days before the king and announce the news to people in a remote part of his kingdom that the king, not because you deserve it, but of his own initiative, is coming to see you. When the people heard the news, 
the news was so good. It was too good to be true. So they start questioning themselves. What have we done? Have we offended the king? Did we not pay our taxes? Did we not pay our tributes? Why is the king coming to see us? And the herald would simply announce the king is coming. Dr. David Lane said years ago that God wrote 39 books in the Old Testament, wrote 39 love letters, and then decided one day to come himself. Y'all come here. Our conquering king who also serves as priest has come to this sin cursed earth to see, to check on his people. But remember the proposition. The gospel demands a response to the goodness of the news. Why are you telling us all of this? Look at your text. The gospel is the good news of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead for our sins. His death, his sacrificial death has taken care of our past, our present, and our future. Stuff ain't even done yet is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's news so good. It's too good to be true. But it demands a response. Y'all ain't feeling me yet. I want you to watch this. How do we respond to this gospel? So then faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I've got to hear about what Jesus did. I've got to believe the news in which I've heard. I've got to repent of all of my past sins. And now to the preaching point. I have to be willing to say about Jesus what God has said about him. I have to agree with God as to who he is. I have to homologate. I've got to say about him what God has said about him. Well, what has God said about him? God has said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Y'all ain't feeling this yet. I want you to watch this. I want you to watch this. I have to be willing to confess Christ regardless of the consequences. I have to be willing that come hell or high water to hold on to my confession that Jesus is 
who his father said he is. He's the Christ. If they put you on a cross, if they burn you at night on the streets of Rome, hold on to your confession. Okay, y'all ain't, ain't feeling me. I want you to watch this. Listen, I'm not trying to enter into controversy, but into clarity. You will notice I stopped that confession. They missed it. Because we run by it. Because we're so anxious to get to baptism. Please do me, don't misunderstand me. I believe that one cannot be saved unless one is baptized into the waters by the authority of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You cannot be saved. We rightly debate. We rightly discuss. We rightly defend baptism as the fifth step on that ladder for the forgiveness of sin. Let's not move away from that. But that ain't his concern. His concern is not baptism. His concern it's the confession. Okay, let me put it in some context for you. Let me put it in some context for you. I want you to watch this. Why does he say, hold fast your confession? Why is his emphasis on confession while our emphasis is on baptism. He does not say hold fast your baptism. Baptism didn't get them into trouble. What got them into trouble was the confession. Okay, let me help you to understand something. I, I want you to watch this. I want you to watch this. I want you to watch this. Is history that informs the text. Okay, let, let me help you here. Uh, let me help you here. When I was in graduate school, way back in the 70s, my New Testament professor was a fellow by the name of uh, Dr. Gordon Fee. He's now over in Canada. Uh, my Old Testament professor was a fellow by the name of Dr. Douglas Stewart. They wrote a book that you and I read until this day, and that is How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Uh, Dr. Fee just beat into our heads a concept that he called the sticky wicket. The sticky wicket was, first of all, authorial intent. In other words, what did the author intend? And then he focused on this notion. Hear me now, because if you don't, you'll misunderstand me. The Bible is written for us but not to us. It was written for us, not to us. There's no book in the Bible written to the Stonecrest Church of Christ, Bouldercrest Church of Christ, Sim Street Church of Christ, Hillcrest Church of Christ, Carver Road Church of Christ. It was written to somebody else. This is what I'm trying to say to you. We have to hear what they heard. 
and when we hear what they heard, whatever the message was to them, the same message is us. Now watch this. He says, hold on to your confession. Why? I agree with you here that the book was written somewhere between 80, 60, 80, 68. The temple is still standing. Now I want you to watch this. Something has already happened. And something is now coming down the line. The book of Hebrews is written around five warning passages. The only reason you warn somebody is because there's danger on the horizon. Well, wait a minute. What's the danger? Read the warning passages. Let's go back to chapter 2, beginning at verse number 1. Therefore, we should give the more earnest heed to the things in which we heard, have heard, lest at any time we should let them what? Watch the word. Slip. Adrift. Okay, watch this. They are in the process of slippage. They are in the process of drifting. The word slip, it's a nautical metaphor. It describes a ship that has come in from the sea. It has come into the harbor. It is now docked at the shore. When they dock it, they put an anchor. Then they tie ropes around the dock. Jesus help me here. He uses the metaphor to say to them, slippage, drifting is occurring among you. Now watch this. When something drifts, you don't always see it. Because it happens so slowly. It's imperceptible, it's not perceivable at first. The weight of the ship pulls on the rope and drifting slowly occurs because the anchor is not secure. Now I want you to watch this. And I don't have time to talk about how in some areas our brotherhood is drifting. I ain't got time to go there. Some slippage is occurring. But you don't always see it 
because it happens so slowly. That's why in chapter 6, he accuses the folk of being dull of hearing. And, and, and the, the notion of the word dull is that of a slug. A slug is a snail without the shell. And a snail moves so slowly. You can't always track the movement. And he's saying slippage is occurring. Y'all come here. That's chapter two. By the time you get to chapter 10, is a retreat. If any man draw back, oh, y'all, watch this. We've gone from a drift to a draw. We've gone from slippage to sliding. When you draw back, when you retreat, you see that. That's obvious. That's ocular. You can measure the movement backwards. But I want you to watch this. Draw back is a military metaphor. Jesus, 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 Jesus. It was a term used when the military went out, fight a battle. But now the war has intensified. The battle is tough. The way is rough. And now you're beginning to see not only are you being outnumbered, you're being outfought. And then is tough way is rough and now they will turn coat they will turn coat and start fighting with the enemy they are drawing back. They're going back. They're not slipping. They're sliding. They're departing from the faith. Okay. Why? They're not there yet. They're on the way. If you read chapter 10, they, the, the properties have been taken. Uh, they, they, they're in the process of tribulation. They have not yet died, shed blood, but it's on the way. It's coming. In fact, it's gotten so hot that they have quit.
coming to church. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. So much the more as you see what? There's a day coming. Now watch this. Why they turn in coat? Uh, we pronounce it differently, Dr. Burt. Christianity, the church, the body of Christ, the church of Christ, whatever metaphor you want to use. is on the verge of being declared religio illegata an illegal religion and now you no longer have the right of assembly you gotta go underground now you gotta meet at night now because the enemy is chasing you is searching you and watch this to make a public spectacle out of you okay okay y'all don't know when to shout I want you to watch this I want you to watch this the Romans would take a Christian And they would light him on fire and hang him up on the poles. And he would provide light for Rome at night. Y'all follow me now? They would capture a child of God. And if she was a female and pregnant, they would put him in public Take a sword, cut open her belly, and the fetus would fall out. And Christian women would see that. They would take a, a brother, and they go out and kill an animal, and they take the skin of that animal and sow it into the flesh of the brother. Release him and then allow the dogs to track him down. They put Christians in the Colosseum. This is what's coming. They would put Christians in the Colosseum and release the tigers and the lions. When I did mission work in Africa, 1988-1990, with Dr. Billy Carroll, Dr., late Dr. Reggie Doolin, we came back through Rome. I went over to the Colosseum. I walked on the floor of the Colosseum, and I could hear the cries of the people of God. And I stood there with tears in my eyes, knowing the commitment, the dedication, the loyalty that people went through for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And it bothers me to no end that some folk will leave the church because saints clap their hands. People died the way they died 
for the word of God, testimony of Jesus Christ, and you leave your congregation because of hand clapping. Okay, let me cut a corner here. I want you to watch this. Before they would persecute and execute and punish a child of God, they'd make them do two things. And I'm on my way to my seat. They'd make them do two things. Number one, they'd make them say, Caesar is king. And then they make them say, Jesus Christ is not king. Now we've been reading this passage all of our lives. Let's read it against that background now. Do you not remember over in the gospel of Mark chapter 8? Mark says, beginning at verse 35, there will come a time when in order to save your life, you will become ashamed of Jesus Christ, watch this, and the gospel. And then he poses a question, what will a man give in exchange for his soul. They would make them public examples to intimidate other Christians. You have to deny that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You have to affirm that Caesar is king. And your answer will determine whether you live or you die. And the Hebrew writer says, hold fast your confession. Watch this. Between the slippage, chapter 2, and the sliding, chapter 10, is my text. It's a word of exhortation. Now watch this. He exhorts them. The only way you keep from slipping and sliding, from drawing back and drifting, you have to draw near. It's right there in the text. I need another hour. He said, draw near unto God. Several years ago, uh, William, uh, wife and I were driving down the road and uh, uh, she said, baby, do you remember when we were back in college? Uh, and you had that old 1967 Chevrolet. Uh, 
I said, yeah. She said, do you remember that when you got in the car, you used to open the car door for me? And, and y'all follow me now? And, and I would get in the car, but she wouldn't slide all the way over to her side. Uh, she would be right under me. Uh, and she said, uh, you, you remember them days? I said, yeah, baby, I, I remember those days. She said, well, we don't do that anymore. Well, I said, honey, the reason we don't do that anymore, there are two reasons. Number one, we got bucket seats. And there's a console in between us. And I said, but baby, that's a second reason. She said, what is it? I said, uh, I ain't moved. The only one who has moved is you. If you ain't as close to God as you once were, somebody has moved and it ain't God. Come on, let's go home. And what he's saying to the folk here, get closer to God. Because not only is he king, that's why he talks about the throne of grace, but he's our great high priest, which means he makes intercession for you. He knows where you are and what you're going through. But whatever you do, come hell or high water, hold on to the confession. And may I say this to you on my way to the seat. Beliefs are what you hold. Convictions is what holds you. Having now heard the word of God, would you choose to believe it with all of your heart by repenting of all of your past sins? Make the confession that brought death to Jesus, but it'll bring life to you not before but after you would have been baptized into the waters and that far the forgiveness of your sins. Go on and live right until you die and God would say well done at that day. Come on, right now, just now, as together we're standing. I'm determined to walk with Jesus. Yes, I am. Yes, I am.